Jesus. I found this I found this photo of Karl Marx and his wife on a communist flag. I'll post it on our Instagram. Yeah, that is wow, you I'm found the picture that we're posting it with. There yeah. it is. Less than six feet away from here right now. This is like fucking I know. weird. I haven't done this in a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have finally decided to come together to record uh, safely and pretend like everything's fine for just like an hour. Yeah, I mean, we're inside together for the first time in six months. Oh yeah, it is yeah. the first time we're inside mm -hmm. together. So, um, the world is a shitstorm, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, wear your fucking mask uh, and like Black Lives Matter and stuff. That's all <laughs> that's, I have to say. That's the only update. That's really all there is to it. Um, but we can take comfort in the fact that people were just as shitty in the past as they are now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great segue. I'm Audrey. <laughs> and I'm Sarah. And this is Mrs. and Mistresses. Where we I'm... talk about historical figures who fucked. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about great men in history and the women in their lives who we never learn about at school. Um, who are we talking about today? Karl Marx. Okay, so I read this this I did not read a whole book. I read parts of a book. <laughs> um it's called Love and Capital by Mary Gabriel. Mm -hmm. Let me cite my sources here. Um, and she described Marx as a man-child whose mind was as hard and brilliant as a diamond. Um, oh and she also asserts Gosh, that without the women in Marx's life, there would have been no Karl Marx. And without Karl Marx, the world would not be as we knew it. She did. She like spent years researching his family life because there, there's just not a lot about it. I don't know if you noticed that when you were yeah. researching it, but like, it's so hard to find yeah. anything about it. Um, and she described it as passionate, but that there was infidelity on his part. And she interestingly describes Friedrich Engels as one of those infidelities. Oh. She says that it's non-sexual. And, it like, I guess not. I'll give up on trying to think he's gay. I looked for so much. I, I tried so hard to find there. evidence. But Honestly, if they, if, they, if they smooched once or twice, they're not going to have documentation of that. Come on. I just think it had to have happened. They went away for a month together. Yeah. So that's me? what, that, I think that's why she said that she, that, like, he was kind of, unfaithful because of because of angles because they just they had such a like connection i don't isn't that just like a best friend i think you feel like you should be okay with your with your husband having <laughs> yeah, a best friend the purposes of this podcast are like hopefully going to be a little bit more lighthearted and we'll focus on his personal life and kind of his political views but not so much like all the economics but just to lay a, a some kind of foundation like he wrote the communist manifesto with his his bff angles um and then he wrote das capital which is like a bigger work that he did on his own um and those works laid the foundation for how we understand labor and its relation to capital and most of the economic thought that followed that is based on his works but most importantly did Marx fuck <laughs> yeah we're not talking about any of that though just so you know like that's the important <laughs> shit that he did but we're trying to talk about his sex life so, Jenny von Westphalen, otherwise known as Johanna Bertha Julie Jenny Edel von Westphalen, I'll refer to her as that from now on because it's easier for me. She was born in 1843. Um, she was a German theater critic and a political activist born in northern Germany. Which, like, was Prussia, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What was that switch me. over? Uh, when did Prussia not crush anymore? No, it was like. <laughs> <laughs> Like, okay. She was born what's called a petty noble, which just means a lower noble class. But okay, I just this really is what I meant. That. Okay. What? This is what I meant when I said he married up. Yeah, like he yeah. married a noble. She yeah. was a petty noble, she was but a petty still noble. noble. Um, her father was a civil servant. Her which, family had ties to the Dukes of Argyll, which was Scotland's most powerful 
why do I talk so weird? Powerful family for a time. Um, later on, Carl was arrested for trying to pawn some of his wife's Argyll silverware. So, um, that's fun. Isn't Argyll like the print that's on a sweater? What do you mean? I mean, they have their own word. Argyll? Argyll. But Carl was not interested in the Argyll sweater so much as the Argyll silver. Um, okay. So, um, both of Jenny's brothers were, were kind of friends with Carl, Edgar, and Ferdinand were their Oof. names. People had some fucked up names. Why? They're cute. It's like classic, you know. 1800s Prussian yeah. names. Is that what you're going to be looking yeah. at when you time to name your child? <laughs> that's all, that's my first resource. <laughs> um, so, but the weird thing was Ferdinand, one of her brothers, was a conservative interior minister of Prussia. So he was a conservative, but still was like, eh. Got some good ideas, this, this Carl guy. They were at least still friends. I don't know if he backed his political leanings. But so later on I talk about this, but uh, Jenny's dad was friends with Carl too, like, because they would always talk about philosophy and politics and stuff, and they were both pretty radical. And, like, Jenny's parents really encouraged his communist kind of antics. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. But they had a very supportive, like, family life, and the parents really liked Carl, and the family all liked Carl. Um, but interestingly... Uh, Jenny and Carl met when they were kids. Um, Jenny's a little bit older than Carl by four years, but they started dating when they were both teenagers, courting, if you will. Um, he said, she was the most beautiful girl in the town of Trier, <laughs> which I just think is so funny because it's like a small town. I know. I know. Like, I read that too. You can't just lie and say the world. <laughs> just lie, Carl. I, um, I don't know why. I just feel like he's like... It was really disappointing for me to learn yeah. about his personal life because he just, like, he sounds like, like a rich dude that's always gotten everything he ever wanted. Like, he got the most yeah. beautiful girl in his small town, and yeah. their parents were supportive, and, like, yeah. he never had to work, but he somehow still survived, and, like, I, I don't know. Just, yeah, it's disappointing, but I guess... I wish he never had a harder life. <laughs> yeah. I, I do. <laughs> Is that wrong? <laughs> it been more inspirational for you? Yeah. He's not really living up to his ideas. <laughs> like I was saying earlier, uh, Jenny's father became friends with Carl, and they often, like, went on walks and just talked, because that's what you could do. And I feel like that's so quarantine nice. is, like, It's forcing people to court. Yeah. Quarantine is 1800s, because I would just go on strolls around Jesus, the block. are people doing that, though? Are people really, like, dating people in that way right now? I'm not even talking about dating. Like, they were just, they were just talking. They were just leisuring together. And talking about they weren't philosophy. dating yet? This was, no, her dad. And oh, her. oh, okay. That makes People just went on walks and leisure. Oh. Earlier I said she was born in 1843. That's not true. Yeah. I messed that up. They, Carl and Jenny got married in 1843. I was looking at this and I was like, how was she engaged before she was born? What mm. the fuck? Okay, they got engaged in 1836 and married in 43, which is a long engagement. <laughs> what is For scholars, really. <laughs> Really do our research. Ron from the office. Oh god. Anybody get that one? Okay. Probably everyone. Yeah. I know the office is super niche and all, yeah. but like um they moved to Paris after they got married and they started like mingling and debating in radical circles. So they probably already had some leftist ideas, but they just kept, you know, hanging out with those people and just evolved Jeez. and Frederick Engels came around and what does a radical circle in Paris in 1840 <laughs> sound like That's I want a radical insane. circle in Paris that sounds like the dream okay in my notes I wrote she had seven motherfucking children cause I like anyway but she That's named them their names were 
Jenny, Caroline, Jenny, Laura, Charles, Louis, Henry, Edgar. Those are three people so far. Those were only three names. So it goes Jenny, I think you Caroline, need to, like, pa- yeah, you need to pause. tell us what you're talking about. Jenny, Laura, pause. Also, she's naming them after herself. Charles, Louis, Henry, Edgar, pause. Henry, Edward, Edward Guy, that's four. Oh, and it's it's not Henry, it's Henri. So they're they're not oh, yeah. they're not oh. they're not French, but they moved to France, and it's yeah, yeah, Charles yeah. Louis Henri. Uh, yeah, they were really inspired by like all of the the kings of Europe ever. <laughs> yeah, Jenny Evelyn Francis, Jenny Julia Eleanor. One oh, this is bleak. Sorry, one unnamed child that was born and died on the same day. Also, some of these kids also died. So this is what's fucked up is the the source I was reading from would use Jenny as one of their first names, but. Like, the second... It wouldn't make sense, because sometimes Jenny... Yes, there's there's four four girls here named Jenny. Not including the the mother. So, one of them... Only three survived into their teens. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Okay, yes. Three of them survived. But one of them died at birth. Yeah. So, um... Well, that's why people had seven kids at that time. Like, they didn't have modern medicine. Yeah. Jeez. Okay, now I'm going to get into, like, the politics of Jenny and how she influenced Marx. Um, She is said to have been an early influence in his politics as they grew up together, basically. Um, She helped organize some communist meetings. She even provided shelter for refugees. From a young age, her father encouraged her um, to pursue French socialism and German romanticism. So he was a pretty liberal guy, I feel. Um, And she really was a big, um, like supporter of feminism. Um, Jenny and Carl's parents, both both sets, supported their marriage regardless of like their their untraditional pairing because she was so much wealthier than he was. Oh. Um, even though he apparently wasn't that poor, she was noble and typically she would marry a noble. So do you know anything about what what does like her supporting feminism, what does that look like at this time? I think it was just the fact that she was a leader in this movement. I think she was just like, yeah, like, women can do shit. It was, I mean, in today's terms, like, very basic, because, like, that's obvious Women couldn't even vote. Yeah. Right. It's what I'm talking about sounds like a lot of accepting people, but I think that their parents were a very rare breed. I mean, it was rare for them to be accepting of their marriage and rare for them to be, like, Oh, yeah, to accept their daughter marrying someone poor. Yeah, sure, yeah. And and encouraging Jenny to be, you know, involved in, like, socialism and learning about it. Of course, yeah. I will say, though, that, like, (laughs) Marx was definitely not what you would consider to be poor. His father converted to Protestantism, Mm -hmm. is that what you call it? Protestantism? Um, To become a lawyer. Um, Like, in Prussia, that was a rule at the time that you couldn't be Jewish and a lawyer. Mm -hmm. So he converted... And became a lawyer, and then, like, Weird. he kind of lived this, like, very, <laughs> That's like... That's fucked up, man. Yeah. I just clicked oh, there is the more. Lines. There's more... Oh, my God. There's more fucked up shit about Marx and Judaism, but... Jeez. So, like, I, I don't know. Like, Marx, he definitely didn't come from the same... He doesn't have the same lineage and, like, mm-hmm. blood as she does, but, like... Yeah, but still, he, okay. Yeah. Doing okay. Yeah, it's not like he was a peasant. Yeah. Which, there were still peasants in, in Prussia at this sure. time. Like, that was still a state where they had, like, feudal systems. Okay. So kind of related, uh, both of their fathers died before they got married, so they had to support themselves financially and pay for the mm. wedding. Interesting. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Like, why were they struggling if their if her parents supported them? Yeah. Um, they died. Um, sorry. Okay. This is a pretty normal thing in the 1800s. Um, so Jenny and Carl collaborated on a book 
Um, but I think this was while, wow. yeah, I think this was while Carl was away, um, traveling with Frederick. He was in Manchester, like looking at the factories and like assessing the work situation there. Um, but Jenny was like, Carl, when are you going to publish the fucking book that we wrote together? And he just kept saying like, um, oh, it'll be, you know, we'll, we'll get it published. I'm just having issues with the publisher, but he just actually never like was able to finish um, it. I but mean, he kept like stalling her out in letters, I guess, and was just saying, oh, it'll be soon, it'll be soon. Um, but she was really anxious to have it published soon because they were poor. In 1846, Jenny became secretary of the Communist Correspondence Committee run by Carl and Engels. Um, I don't know why I call him Carl's. Carl and him Yeah, Engels. I like, call him both by their last name. Because Marx and Engels just sound so, like... I just like calling him Carl because it's such, like, a I know Carl office okay. person name. I know. And he's fucking Karl Marx. Um, she also became an active member in the League of the Just and the German Workers' Union, so two different associations. So she was very politically active. Um, so flashback just a couple years. In 1844, um, Jenny traveled alone with one of her babies to visit her mother. This was when Karl, oh my god, Marx and Engels were uh, in Manchester. Fucking... They were fucking... God, someone find me some evidence of this. If yeah. anyone's listening to this, please... Let us know. This is very <laughs> important to our research. <laughs> Carl and Jenny were expelled by the French political police, which is a term I've never fucking heard before, and Wait, I love... what did you just say? The French political police expelled them from the country. Weird. Okay. Um, I didn't know the... Yeah, that's a... I mean, I wouldn't have written that myself. That's... Just what I found. I didn't. I've never heard the French political police before, but that yeah, sounds like. I don't know. It sounds like people on Twitter whenever I say something like offensive. I don't know. Here comes the political, political police. police. <laughs> that yeah, that might be the best discovery of this whole, <laughs> all of this research. <laughs> the political police is Ooh, that like title? It sounds very fascist. Yeah, I mean they weren't. Yeah, I mean it was a monarchy. So. Yeah, but still. Um, and so they moved to Brussels because they couldn't hang out in France anymore. Um, and that's where Marx wrote the Communist Manifesto. Um, in Brussels. Yeah. Interesting. We love Brussels. We do. We do love Brussels. <laughs> but mostly for beer and waffles, not really not anything for smart. any <laughs> philosophical <laughs> undertakings. So um, while Marx was in Manchester with his husband, I mean with his friend Engels. <laughs> um, his BFF. Uh, Jenny was writing to him about, like, the women's struggle in socialist circles. And I guess that's how people, like knew about her feminist involvement, but she was like, let's not forget about us, please, Marx, and... I mean, that's... That, okay, there is some... It's hard, because later when I talk about the letters that I read, that, that they wrote to each other, and just letters that Jenny wrote to people about him, and that Marx wrote to people about her, um, she seems like she was just kind of, like, missing him the whole time, and didn't mm -hmm. like that he was away, but also it, it, it is cool that she was... A woman in the like mid 1800s and had a husband who left her alone so much that she could do this shit. I yeah, mean, that like that is pretty rare. Yeah, you know that makes her like a you know a pretty rare woman of yeah. her time. I know. I just felt like out of the people that we've talked about so far, she seemed very like self-sustained, and maybe mm -hmm. that came from her you know being of a wealthier class or something. But she just was not reliant on him at all. If anything, like. 
I don't understand why we didn't but talk Then you more. should, uh, uh, yeah. but like her words, should I just, should I just tell you it now? It's, like, yeah. it's not very long. Um, so I read a lot of letters between Oh yeah, the I was two wondering about that. They wrote love letters. So there's some cringy, some really cringy quotes. Like, yeah, I get, I get. Obviously it was a different era. Wait, this one, there's just two specific things that I found in two different okay. letters that really struck me. Right, um, some of the other letters that I read, I just like kind of, that, that was my evidence for okay. some of the other stuff that I'll say later, but, um, there's just some cringy, like I had to, there were just some things <laughs> that were so cringy that I had to say their specific words Dude, that they used. if you used. read my text to my boyfriend's. No, like, no one is saying anything like this. And if they are, you need to break up with your boyfriend. Okay. She says, my dearest, unique Carl. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot believe, my darling, how very happy you make me by your letters and how your last letter has once again restored calm and peace to your poor lamb. <laughs> In the background, dark feelings of anxiety and fear, the real menace of unfaithfulness, the, the seductions of a capital city. And this is what she wrote to to March while he was in Paris without her. Right, um, without her. And yeah, it just I just feel like she just while he was away from her, whether it was in Paris or I don't maybe maybe she went maybe he went to Paris and she was specifically like all oh, those French women they're gonna yeah. get you. Uh -huh. But like I get triggered too. I get her. <laughs> but I'm sure she felt the same way later when he went to England. Maybe she got used to it and then she started finding her own shit to do while he was gone. But it just she sounds very pathetic here. But you also have to translate that to modern day language. That my dearest unique Carl would be translated to be like something. That's what that is today. Yeah, but I, your last letter has once again restored calm and peace to your poor lamb. Thank you for yeah, texting me because I was worried you. you were cheating on me. <laughs> <laughs> That's not very empowering. I think people just talked extra. They just... Sure, but the, the, even if you like dumb down to what she's saying, in the background, dark feelings of anxiety and fear, the real menace of unfaithfulness, the seductions of a capital city. I mean, what she's trying to say is that I feel anxiety because you're gone and I'm worried that you're going to be unfaithful to me because you're in this city of love. I, that's pretty fucked up. You should have a strong enough relationship with your husband that you're not worried about this. So, I don't yeah. know. It's it's We're just trying to provide a nuanced view of who she was. Um, so, Jenny was deported. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, after shortly after um, Carl and Jenny moved to Brussels, they were detained and deported. <laughs> yeah, he literally got kicked out of... He got them kicked out of everywhere he ever went. Yeah, he's a little fucker, but it's fine. They went back to Paris. <laughs> but they were kicked out of Paris too, weren't they? I, I guess there was some moratorium. Maybe it just was a... It you was just it. the French <laughs> political police. I don't know how much power they hold. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably incompetent, like every other part of France. <laughs> like every other fucking cop. Oh, Sorry. damn. Wow. <laughs> I really just, just had to go there. So the Prussian authorities had had Carl deported to France and then they left with his family he left with his family to London they all went to yeah. London and they stayed in London for 30 years he oh okay so in London they kind of got a little wealthier um and they were just kind of living this nice little life um and I'm sure that like impacted him a lot because England is yeah. like notoriously a place where the class divide yeah. is a big deal yeah um, this is a quote from Jenny, and it's not verified, so it could be fake, but I want it to be real. So, <laughs> okay. Um, apparently, she said, we are walking now, steadfast, become the bourgeois. Wait, what? We are walking now, steadfast, to become bourgeois. Oh so she God. was, like, reflecting on her life in London and how rich and wealthy they are now. And All how right, they're at least like, she had ah, some self-awareness. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Because that's what struck me as so, like... 
hypocritical and, and ironic when I was yeah. researching him. So that makes me feel better that she said but, that. Maybe she didn't. <laughs> Carl was notably bad at like dealing with finances, and Jenny was like a regular at the pawn shop. <laughs> Probably selling that Argyle silver. Damn. That Argyle silver. <laughs> yeah. But it seems like that's where they lived out their days. Um, and she died in 1881 of liver cancer. So you you didn't find anything about her knowing anything about the mistress? No. Interesting. I, there's really not a lot about this mistress. I, was, I really I, tried. I will but... say I was preventing, like, looking into that because I didn't want to spoil what you were saying. So okay. I feel like if I looked, maybe I'd find But something. I looked and I didn't. I, oh, you did yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I was looking into the Yeah, there was nothing. And... There was no talk of infidelity except for that quote you Strange. mentioned. Like, she seemed a little uneasy, but. But that was in 1844. That was well, way before the okay. thing with the mistress happened. Ugh, that's interesting. All right. I have a lot to say about, like, what you just said, but I feel like it's best if I share my information with you first mm-hmm. before we discuss. So, yeah, Mark's never held a labor job in his life. Um, he once tried to work as a clerk in London, but he didn't get the job because his handwriting was so poor that they couldn't give it to him. Um, and his family lived in abject poverty. That's at least how they describe it, which is interesting because she's saying that they're becoming bourgeois, so maybe mm-hmm. they just had a, a period where they had a little bit of money, but they, they always struggled because he couldn't yeah. really earn money for the family because he just seemed like I don't know. It, it, it's strange because he does seem like someone who was like always hands at everything, never had to work for anything. And when it came to the point where he had to work for shit, he just like couldn't. He just felt like he didn't like to work. And then, I don't know, just part of me thinks that like he maybe like wrote, he maybe invented Marxism because he didn't want to work. And he was like, yeah, uh, none of us should have to do this shit. <laughs> that's, I'm sure that's inaccurate, but that's just the, that's the vibe I got after hearing what a shit person he was. Like, yeah, that shit um, sucks, man. Yeah, no one should have to do this. <laughs> Dude, eat the rich. Yeah, right. Um, so just some, just so you have a picture of, like, what he was like. Um, he was highly disorderly. This is a quote from his biographer. He is a highly disorderly, cynical person, a poor host. He leads a gypsy existence. Washing, grooming, and changing underwear are rarities with him. He gets drunk readily. Often he loafs all day long, but if he has work to do, he works day and night tirelessly. He does not have a fixed time for sleeping and staying up. He Very often he stays up all night, and at noon he lies down on the sofa, fully dressed, and sleeps until evening, unconcerned about the comings and goings around him. Um, I feel that. Yeah. <laughs> He also was very sickly his whole life. He had liver problems, rheumatism, sciatica, and frequent headaches, toothaches, insomnia, hemorrhoids. He also suffered from a disease that made him break out frequently in carbuncles or boils. Sometimes these boils would cover his whole body or would be limited to his legs or genitals, causing him great pain until they went away. Ooh. Like, doesn't this make you feel happy that you are alive no when you're he alive didn't right have now? Any mistresses, though. Maybe this is why he only had one, yeah. But also, I feel like in the 1800s, it's probably common to have weird shit wrong with you that you didn't know how to solve. God, it's so terrible. (laughs) So, his mistress, her name was Helen DeMuth. Um, This was... Oh, sorry. It's probably Helene. Helene DeMuth. Mm -hmm. This is when they were in England. She was their maid in 1849 to 1850. She became his mistress, but she... I'm pretty sure she was their maid for well before that but she was never paid oh my fucking god (laughs) Um, what so yeah so okay let me just say Karl Marx is cancelled obviously I don't know how we hold people from the past to today's standards and I 
I don't. I'm not even holding him to today's standards. How are you going to fight for the working class if you're not even going to pay? Oh that yeah. Well, it was the kind of thing where I, this is very common at the time where um, that you get your keep, you get fed, and you get a place to live, and that's what you're working oh, for. So it's okay. like an not an indentured servant thing, but it's it's similar to that where you're working for your room and board. So he cheated with her, and they he fathered a son uh, whose name was Freddie. Um, yeah, I don't, this was in the same, this is why I'm so interested to know why Jenny, if Jenny knew about any of this, because this yeah. is under the same roof as her this whole time. They were all living in the same place. He didn't go anywhere. They were all living in England. Um, and there's this funny line from the the book Love and Capital that I read. Um, there's this funny line from author Gabriel where she says, uh, it was unclear whether it, it was the first or 20th time they had slept together, but she bore his son. I, what does that matter? I don't know. I just, I was really caught on, like, why she said that. Like, it, it was probably not the first time that they'd fucked. And also, what does it matter yeah. whether they'd fucked once or 20 times? The point is, this happened under the same roof as his wife. And yeah. they had a child. Um, so, this is another really good book I read. I feel like we should pick other people from this book. It's, it's by the historian Paul Johnson. It's called Intellectuals. And it goes over, like, the personal lives of a bunch of intellectuals. And I was like, damn, someone thought of our idea. Fuck. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of interesting people in there. Sorry. Yeah, okay, yeah. We have, we have a spin. Um, so I'm going to read some stuff from what he said about this. Um, this is, like, the, one of the only sources I could find about this. So he said, in all of his research into the inequities of, the, of British capitalism, he came across many instances of low-paid workers, but he never succeeded in unearthing one who was paid literally no wages at all. Yet such a worker did exist in his own household. This was Helen, Helene DeMuth, the lifelong family maid. She got her keep, was, but was paid nothing. She was a ferociously hard worker, not only cleaning and, and scrubbing, but managing the family budget. Marx never paid her a penny. What the fuck, man? In 1849 to 1850, she became Mark's mistress and conceived a child. Marks refused to acknowledge his responsibility then or ever and flatly denied the rumors that he was the father. Uh, Is this fucking Maury? Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. Um, so the son lived with a foster family, a working class family called Lewis, um, and he was allowed to visit the Marks household to see his mother, but he was forbidden to use the front door and he had to walk in through the back door, like through the help door where the kitchen is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Marx was, like, so terrified that, that he would be discovered as the father that he actually had Engels... It's really fucked up. Uh, he, he had Engels, like, claim the child. Um, what in the fuck? Didn't Mussolini... So, just, yeah, this, this reminds me of Mussolini a little bit. Yeah. It, it, but you never thought you could compare to Mussolini, huh, Marx? Yeah, right, right. So Engels took responsibility for the child because Engels was a known womanizer. Um, I, it's worth mentioning that Engels was also accused of raping his housekeeper. Okay. Um, which he denied. I forget the man's name, but another leftist thinker, writer that they were friends with um, accused him of raping his housekeeper and he denied it and he said it was just unrequited love. Yeah, that's what it always <laughs> like, is. Talk okay. to Bill Clinton about that. Yeah, right. This is really coming full circle with all of our other episodes. Um, so, Engels took responsibility for the child because he was known to be a womanizer anyway. So they were like, okay, you probably. Honestly, oh my god, how great would it? Oh, this makes it even better. Like, I hope they were fucking each other. Yeah. Anyway, um, Engels was not willing to take the secret to his grave, though. So he lied about it for the majority, for all of Marx's life. But when Engels was on his deathbed with throat (laughs) cancer, 
1895. He was unable to speak because he had throat cancer, probably from smoking so much his whole life. And sucking dick, um, sorry. And sucking dick also, oh. of course. Um, he was gay, so the Lord punished him with throat cancer. That's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. <laughs> I just meant sometimes it hurts back there. And sometimes you just... Okay. okay. Anyway. Um, so Eleanor, one of Marx's daughters that you mentioned, um, she was on his like sitting at his deathbed and he was unable to speak because he had throat cancer and he was dying and he but Engels like wanted to get this off of his chest so much before he died that he wrote it down on a slate like on a piece of like chalkboard he wrote down on the slate Freddie is Mark's son <laughs> that's epic is Mark's son yeah um, that's amazing yep uh so although he told Eleanor though this is this so this is why I couldn't find any information about it and why it like it's it's so hard to figure any of this out because the general public never knew about any of this and it became one of the secrets about Marx to such a point that Stalin himself ordered it buried in the archives. What? Like this is why it never became a thing because I mean there's a when when the yeah, Marxist Bolshev Bolsheviks how do you say that word? Bolsheviks? Bolsheviks. Yeah. When the Bolsheviks seized Russia, I like they were just like, I guess no, were... we, Marx is our god. Like, we're not going to say anything bad about him. Oh, my God. Yeah, I guess they were, like, the kings of covering shit up and censorship. Stalin? No wonder this yeah. is so hard. Yeah. Yeah. So even still today, I, the, the records are just not there. It's, it's very hard to find any kind of, like, legitimate information about it. Yeah. Um, and interestingly, Fre Freddie grew up to be one of the only Marxes still alive to see Lenin and his Bolsheviks re re revolution seize Russia. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, so moving on from Karl Marx being a racist, he was also a sexist. Um, sure. His, his baseline. But it's interesting because if you just read the communist, this is this is why this was so interesting. I think for us both to do is because if you have just read, I've only read the communist yeah. manifesto. I haven't even read the. Uh, I have I, I don't. When I read the communist manifesto, it struck me. I mean, from what I'm going to read you from it later, I, it, it struck me as being pretty pretty feminist. I mean, if not only for the purpose of, of talking shit on capitalism, it still kind of talked about how marriage was degrading to women at the time, and I, I found that to be feminist, but it once you learn about his personal views yeah. towards marriage, it, it just doesn't doesn't really feel like yeah. the same thing. Um, so the contradictions between him being Jewish and being anti-Semitic brings us to some other contradictions in his personal life and his political views. Um, he obviously has the famous quote, religion is the opiate of the masses, but yet he also wrote positively of Christianity in terms of children. He says that children must bring up their parents and he, that he valued Christianity because it taught adults to love children. Oh. I don't know. So and from that, like, it seems like his children, his children were kind of where his political views got thrown out the window. Yeah. And in, in just in terms of his children. Um, okay. So there was a lot of stuff that I read that just taking it away from his children for a second, if you want to talk about his own marriage, obviously he wasn't faithful to her. And there was a lot of stuff that I've read by Engels that was very like free love and, mm -hmm. and non-monogamy. Yeah, Engels yeah. wrote um, The Origin of the Family hmm. um, about the historical development of marriage. And he, he seems to push the like free love, non-monogamy thing more than Marx says. But Marx doesn't really delve into that. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you could argue that he didn't believe that marriage was such a you know, a strict kind of yeah. thing. And it does make me feel better to hear that Jenny, like, had her own life and was, was yeah. politically active. And so you, you could argue that he let his wife have freedom. And so maybe, like... So kind. Yeah, right. And maybe his own life 
was kind of in line with the views that he talks about in the Communist Manifesto. But at the same time, the way that he handled his daughter's marriages is just fucking insane. Like, there are oh so God. many letters. Why is he handling their marriages at all? Marx took a close and traditional interest in the marriages of his daughters, oh, Jenny and Laura. Um, they, were, they both wanted to marry Frenchmen, and he was very against the idea of them marrying Frenchmen. <laughs> um, Eleanor fell in love with uh, Henri... Lisa Garay, um, and she ended up not marrying him because Marx disapproved of him so much. Uh, yeah, he just was oh, like, buddy. and if you read Marx's writing, he's like ruthlessly cynical. He he's like so like you know, marriage is only a, is only a tool of capitalism and fuck it basically <laughs> is like in, in in obviously way more eloquent words than that. But it just is so interesting that his political or his personal views were so much more traditional and romantic. If you yeah. read the letters between him and, and Jenny, it just, you know, he, and also if you read the letters between him and the, and the men that his daughters were yeah. wanted to marry, he just has complete control over, over who they married. I mean, dude, you better be thanking your lucky stars that Jenny's dad liked you. Right. And, like, ex- allowed yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm saying her. your, your part really, really like, elucidated some shit for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, there are numerous letters between him and his daughter's future husbands discussing their marriages, and he has demands for all of them. Like, he even told one of them that he didn't, I forget whose husband it was, but he told one of his daughter's future husbands that he didn't want one, he didn't want them to be involved in dangerous politics. Like, are you hypocritical much? Like, your family had to constantly move around because you were getting kicked out of places because of your political writing. Like, it's just, it's insane. So, um, the, Marx believes that the nuclear family, so, like, the idea of, like, husband, wife, children, mm-hmm. is a result of capitalism, and it's designed to perpetuate capitalism. Sure. Because wealth is passed down through these family lines, and, it, and this ensures that class divisions will continue. Literally like it did with his own upbringing <laughs> and his own marriage. Um, and But he also does talk about, like, patriarchy through marriage maintains the oppression of women and children as they have less control over resources and are therefore less powerful. What he talked about as being, as being bad is the bourgeois marriage. So... The quote from Communist Manifesto is, Bourgeois marriage is, in reality, a system of wives in common, and thus, at the most, what the communists might possibly be reproached with is that they desire to introduce, in substitution for a hypocritically concealed and openly legalized community of women. And in this, in this same quote, it, it's very long. It's from the Communist Manifesto. It's, um, it, this is a pretty popular section of it. Um, but he, he equates marriage to, to um, prostitution. So he, he says, for the rest, it is self-evident that the abolition of the present system of production must bring with it the abolition of the community of women springing from that system, i.e. of prostitution, both public and private. So you're talking about this community of women being wives yeah. is, is, yeah. is just only, like, furthering the system of capitalism and, and uh, like, they are using... Uh, the bourgeois sees his wife as a mere instrument of production, like producing more children to participate in capitalism, and it just keeps going on and on from from there. And so, I, it's unclear if this is truly a feminist take. I mean, we can talk about it, yeah. but I sure. But it just seems like he's he's almost like saying shit just to be like, yeah, I'm progressive, I'm cool, I'm radical, but then also doesn't act it in his real life. Which I did all this research, and at the very end read this section from the Communist Manifesto, which I had read many times before. And after hearing all this information about his personal life, I kind of read it in a different way this time, where I was kind of like, oh, okay, did he really think that women deserve autonomy over their lives? Or did he just think that this is bad what we're doing to women because it furthers capitalism? 
it seems more like a okay. Well, we'll talk about the patriarchy, but only because it it furthers capitalism, and not and not because this is just it's not yeah. a human rights issue. It's right. a it's an issue of like yeah communism versus capitalism. It's also I, interesting because he doesn't really say that you know this idea of basically selling off women through marriage is bad because it's degrading to women. He more right. so just says that like he even talk he talks about adultery in this in this quote um, from the Communist Manifesto. He says. Uh, are bourgeois not content with having wives and daughters of their proletarians at their disposal, not to speak of common prostitutes, take the greatest pleasure in seducing each other's wives. So he even talks about, like, this. these people marry the, the bourgeois, although it's interesting he writes about the bourgeois and he was effectively... He is one. Is yeah. one, yeah. That's crazy, man. I mean, I, just because you're struggling right now, you still come for money. You still yeah. had a very comfortable upbringing. You still never had a labor job. So I, I, can't, I can't imagine that you're not the bourgeois, but whatever, maybe he considers himself a proletariat. Um, but it, what he's saying here is that the bourgeois marry to produce children. They don't marry because of any kind of like sexual desire. And, and even more so they like seducing each other's wives. They, yeah. they're adulterous. And so he's not saying that like this, this kind of, he, he he's, he's not, not saying it's wrong. Exactly. And he's not talking down on like objectifying women yeah. or commodifying <laughs> women. Certainly he, not. That's why his wife was messaging him like, Hey, can you like talk about women and socialism a little yeah. bit? <laughs> yeah. So it's just interesting that any kind of movement that you'll ever find has some kind of roots in women still feeling like they're not a part of it yeah. and that they're not like truly uh, being uh, represented. <laughs> no matter what, if you're born with a vagina, you're fucked. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> So, I mean, on with our quest to find some kind of movement and some kind of historical figure that is not shit. I, do you think we'll yeah, do it? Maybe this shit. podcast will help us find that's someone. Is, that's the major purpose of this. I don't, I don't believe in, like, discrediting everything a person ever did because they were sexist or racist or something. I mean, that's not... He did a lot of good. He had a, he had a good impact. Yes, that's I still obvious. think that he's obviously one of the most influential thinkers of his time. He's, an, a, you know, a revolutionary yeah. and obviously... Everything that he did has meaning still. I just would like to find someone who did something really important for the world that isn't also a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so. I don't think it's a lot to fucking ask. And like, also, I, I, another thing is that the only reason why I'm excusing his racism and sexism is because he was alive in the 1800s. This shit is not flying now. Certainly not flying. Yeah. But there's still... Look at our fucking Democratic candidate. Yeah. I mean, I mean did really anyone talk watch about the DNC? Progress? Yeah. No progress has been fucking made. No. God, it's just been reform. It's just been the brand has changed. That's it. Yeah. Um, so I think we should. I think it's very appropriate to end this episode on one final quote. Um, it's a letter that Carl wrote to his father in November of 1837 when he just met Jenny. Or no, he just obviously he didn't just meet her. They grew up together. But when he like first started to like be romantic with her okay. before they got married, during their long courtship. Yeah. He says. Now, th- let me just say, this entire thing would be beautiful and so romantic if it weren't for the last three words of it. <laughs> Please give greetings from me to my sweet, wonderful Jenny. I have read her t- letter 12 times already and always discover new delights in it. It is in every respect, including that of style, the most beautiful letter I can imagine being written by a woman. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking asshole. You could have just ended it just there, Just ended a little early, okay? Thought you men didn't like talking very much, just... Shorten it. Fucking dick. Why didn't he write her back? Were there any return messages to Jenny? I'm just gonna write your father back because he could. No, you're a woman, you don't deserve to receive letters. Yeah. Oh my god.
<laughs> well, once again, I'm disappointed. I, I knew I was going to be disappointed the last... Well, I didn't, I didn't know about Pablo Picasso. I wasn't sure about him. Ah, he's an artist. Most of yeah. them are assholes. We know artists. They suck. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was sure... I mean, I was first we had a fascist dictator, then we yeah. had Bill Clinton, yeah. and then we had an artist. I mean, this one, I was really... I had high I hopes. I had high hopes. I was like, let's talk about like a revolutionary figure that we can relate to the the ongoings in our country in the US yeah. right now. And someone who we've studied politically yeah. and know a lot about his his ideas and we yeah. don't know much about his personal life. Let's find out. It'll be fun. Sucks. No. Sucks. <laughs> was not fun. I like learning about Jenny. My my research was like very light. Oh, and that's fun. always the you know, the light points in this whole thing is yeah. that we get to learn about women that we never knew about. And so, I mean, I'm sure Helene was great. I just couldn't find any information on her, probably because Stalin fucking burned all that shit. No, I don't know what else to say, except okay. <laughs> everyone sucks. Be critical of everything you hear ever. Seriously. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Follow us on social media, even though we're not that active. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we will be. We're, um, we're back now. We're, we're trying to be back. We're yeah, trying to be back. We're trying to, yeah, and wear a mask. Yeah. <laughs>